Welcome to the Soul to Scene podcast, episode 20. I am Andy Cooper from RMS Motoring, and I'm joined today by Ross Allen. Good evening. And also joined today by our guest, uh, Ronan Cunningham, uh, organizer of probably the largest supercar event in Ireland, uh, which is known as Supercar Sunday, a huge charity event. Ronan, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good, good. Look, it's uh, great, uh, great to have you here. Supercar Sunday is uh, probably about a week and a half away from uh, when the show will be coming out. It's the very end of July, uh, Ronan. So yes, the thirtieth and the thirty-first. And uh, remind us where, where is it? When is it? And that, and that sort of stuff. First of all, before we get into a bit about yourself and the and the history of the show. Okay, well, it started off in Port Stewart uh, at the Northwest 200 Pits on Saturday the 30th. Uh, and that's starting at 10, th- or 10 o'clock, and we're going to be there until 1 p.m. Uh, the cars will leave the pits at 1 p.m., and we have uh, probably one of the largest supercar convoys going down the coast road uh, all the way down to Larne. The PSNI are giving us full support and escorting us the whole way down the coast road. Uh, any blockages or anything like that there in the road, they'll be able to get us straight past them. So uh, I've been working closely with the uh, Causeway Coast and Glens Council and the PSNI uh, just to help us with that there. Then the next day is uh, down at Bishop's Court, um, we kick off there. Cars will be arriving from about 8.30, all in place by 9.30 a.m., and the show there starts at 10.30. Excellent. Uh, and that's on until 4 o'clock. Excellent. So, so look, if you're listening and if you love supercars, get on Saturday morning, get yourself to the Northwest Pits, half 10 to 1 uh, and oh, that'll be fabulous seeing all these cars go down down the coast road as well. I can't wait to see the um the photos and then Bishop's Court the next day. And that's that's at the that's at the circuit at yes. Bishop's Court. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. fantastic. How many um how many cars running do you have in the, the convoy? In the convoy. <laughs> the convoy we've had to restrict the convoy now to between 100 and 150 cars it was up at 300 wow and i've had to pull it back because it's just the traffic jam would be horrendous uh so that's you know as i say talking to the police and uh that's a compromise we've came to so we'll have between 100 and 150 cars on site uh, on the at the Northwest 200 pits, and then we'll all be taken off for one large convoy the whole way down the coast road. That's absolutely class. That's absolutely class. Look, the the, the first thing that comes in, it uh, pops in the mind. It's like, what value of cars? Like, like <laughs> Butcher Road was not going to have the, the value of cars is going to be in the Northwest pits on um on on Saturday. The Northwest pits, the value would probably be well. It's probably going to be. A smaller, maybe five to six million. Last year at Bishop's Court, we probably had an excess of thirty million. Oh, unreal! That's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of heavy heavy metal. 
Yeah. And I would say a lot of stuff that maybe doesn't come out all the time, Ronan, as well. Are you, are you coaxing people out of the woodwork to, to come for this, are you? Uh, yes, I'm doing my best every day to try and speak to somebody and encourage them to bring something special along. And yes, there will be some very special cars out and about over those two days. Um, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed for the weather because oh, yeah. I'm often, well, it is very weather dependent. So sure. we'll just keep all our fingers crossed for that. Absolutely. Right. Let's hope we get some weather like we're having at the moment where we're absolutely uh, scorched and the North Coast will look like uh, the uh, cost of else all. Are there any... Um, are there any cars in particular, Ronan, that you're looking forward to seeing out in the road that we may not have seen before? Um, there are. There are. And I know you're coaxing me to tell you what they're going to be. <laughs> He's but... playing his cards very close to his chest here, Ross. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, saying that, there will be a few hyper cars about. That's all I can say. Excellent. Wow. I'm not allowed to say. Uh, I promised. I promised the gentleman that owns them uh, or the gentleman known uh, that I would be mentioning them in particular, but there will be some really nice cars out and about. Awesome. Well, look, I I think uh, it's a fantastic day. I've been I've been some of them uh, before various parts of parts of the days, uh, and it's great. I, I don't know what it is. Rooms, you think that because of the pandemic, people are now more keen to get their like. I know supercar ownership is maybe a wee bit. Taboo is not the word, but some people just like to keep them under under wraps and and just use them themselves. And I and I wonder because of the pandemic, are people thinking, well, the hell with it? You know what? I'm going to share this car and let everyone else see it and, and enjoy it and and all the rest. Is there is there a wee bit of change of attitudes maybe uh, towards people using some of some of this heavy equipment? I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's the pandemic, uh, you know, it's to co- or is the reason that they bring them out and about now. The very first year. Uh, I tried to encourage people out and bring the cars out. I knew lots of those owners and they took the cars out by themselves every now and again and and the car was locked away. Yeah. And there wasn't really any such there was no su- there was no event for people that had cars like that, you know, to go to. Mm-hmm. You know, if you'd have went to say a car meet, you would have been the only person there. Or there maybe have been one or two Ferraris. Yep. And that was the idea that I came up with, you know, to see if all these people would like to bring their cars out and mm-hmm. do a nice run in their cars with everybody else. And and, uh, and the very first one, we had, what, 90, 90 cars just came out. And that was just by phoning around some friends. And they all came out. They had such a great time that time. Uh, they just... Yeah, can we do it again? Can we do it next year? And was that was that back in the days of were you involved in the events down at like uh, I remember was it Hillsborough Oyster Festival that type of type of stuff or uh, when when was when was your first event? My first event was four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the Oyster event. They did call it Supercar Sunday, uh, and that's why I changed it to Northern Ireland Supercar Sunday. Mm-hmm. Mine was more an idea of getting everybody together, do a run together, and then park up, and then people could come and pay to see all the cars, and then all that money could go to the charity. And that's that was basically the general idea. Yeah, which is fantastic, and it's uh, Northern Ireland Air Ambulance. Is that that's still 
what the proceeds will be going to uh, in a couple of weeks' time? This year, it's the Northern Ireland Air Ambulance and the Owen Henry Foundation. The very first year, it was the Air Ambulance, solely the Air Ambulance. Mm-hmm. The next one, it was the Air Ambulance and the Hospice. And this year, it's the Owen Henry Foundation. I, I like to pick something that's close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was their ambulance because a very close family friend was, well, he was basically resuscitated at the side of the road by their ambulance uh, after a, a serious road traffic accident. And he was, in, he was in recovery in the Royal in intensive care for four months. And basically it was the idea, once we knew he was going to be okay, me and his dad were sitting and, you know, we were just having a chat, you know, to anyway we could pay their ambulance back. And I, I said to I said to Tony, well, the only thing I know is, well, what to do in work. And I know a lot of people that have nice cars. Mm-hmm. What about, you know, if we can gather all these people up and see if they'll bring the cars out and people can come and see if they'll pay any money. And any money we raise, we'll give it to their ambulance. So... That first year we raised 20,000, which wasn't bad for just organizing it in a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And then after that, one of the the guys helped, well, he really helped me, you know, get in contact with some other people to bring cars. Uh, The second reason I brought in the, the hospice was during that time I was organizing that, his wife became seriously ill and and unfortunately passed away. Uh, I don't want to mention his name because you'll probably know him, Uh, but because because of that, then the second year I'd done it, the hospice had been very good and looked after his wife, you know, just in the the later stages. So that's why I brought in a second charity. and that's why we were up in the, the hospice that year. And then knowing Henry this year is because, well, I do know Steve Henry well, and just, you know, the tragedy has happened in his family. Mm-hmm. And that's really why I bring in the two charities and then just divide the amount between the two. Well, look, it's, it's excellent to be able to give something back. I'm sure all the guys who are driving and supporting the day, that really encourages them, you know, to go to go as well to be seen to be doing something and giving back. I also like the fact that uh, you have uh, you have sort of a static part of the event, which you have the Northwest Pits, and then you have sort of more a uh, live action side of things down at Bishop's Court because it's great mm-hmm. to see these things used in uh, in a bit of anger. And the uh, the Bishop's Court circuit is is uh, phenomenal. I I only drove it for the first time. Um, last year in the GT4, and it's it's um, spectacular. And I'm sure the guys uh, that are bringing the cars love the prospect of maybe giving the cars, you know, open them up a bit because supercars nowadays, like my goodness, their the capabilities are uh, way beyond the uh, national speed limits. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the idea, and that's why I contacted Bishop's Court. You know, just I thought there's so many static displays. And I've been over at Goodwood and I thought, look at the cars. You can 
hear the cars, you can feel the cars, smell, you know, smell the cars going up by. I thought we could maybe do something like this. And that's why I contacted Bishop's Court and asked, you know, was there any way we could come together and and do this display and actually get the cars out on track. So yeah. uh, last year, I don't think I've been done anywhere before here. Uh, so we had the static display in the center. And then just once I said to the guys, look, because we're free to go onto the track, you know, okay, we'll send you 10 out at a time. No racing. But off you go, you know, and like everybody, everybody just loved it. You know, and the adrenaline rush for everybody, the spectators, for the drivers, for everybody. There was a couple of points, Ronan. Um, I was I was one of your exhibitors at the last show, and I was quite close to the you know the, the barriers where you could get in and out. Yeah. And there's a few times that I had customers with me, and we were sitting chatting to people, and we actually stopped everything, and we all everybody came out to see the cars going past because whilst they weren't racing, they definitely weren't afraid of it. There was there was cars going full send there, and it was just it was amazing to see because you know Bishop's Court. Andy's driven it. I've been at it a few times. Um, it's such a big, wide, open, fast circuit. Uh, you know, the new fresh tarmac in it. And the cars and the drivers were lapping it up without anybody, you know, being silly, really. And it was just, it was amazing to see and hear and smell. And and it really is it's something you should be very, very proud of, um, that you're so well-respected that, you know, somebody like a, a track like Bishop's Court would open it up to you guys. Well, you know, I have a massive thanks, you know, to Jim and Roy at Bishop's Court, you know, for allowing me to use the track. Um, they were both amazed by the turnout. They, yeah. they couldn't believe it last year. I did try and tell them, you know, there there will be a lot of people want to come and see these cars, and there's a lot of people coming in their cars. But uh, when they saw the crowds there, they were absolutely blown away, so... Straight after last year, they were on the phone to me saying, well, Ron, are you going to do it again? After a bit of persuasion, I went, well, okay. One more time. (laughs) So so you mentioned that one one more time, and I did did read this. So uh, is this the last one, Ronan? Go out with a bang? Yeah, yeah, this, this is the last one. It is, because I have to be honest, you know, I run a business as well, and this this takes up an awful lot of time mm-hmm. uh, you know this year's like seven months in the planning wow yeah and it's just to get everything all brought together it's to get you know well the first thing you have to get is the track everything else you know sort of brought in together like say charles hurst charles hurst are bringing over a race team and you know all the different components that you want to bring to mm-hmm. the show and bringing them all together, it just doesn't happen overnight. It's only a lot of time, an awful lot of time. So, yes, unfortunately, it is my last one. So, well, we'll go like, out with a bang oh, fant- in a good fant- way. In a in a good way. Like this is like how how could it go wrong if we've uh, static cars? You've the convoy. You've live action on the track. Like it is. It's like it's like a young boy's, uh, young person's dream, you know, to inspire people. We're we're, we're talk we talk about a lot about electric cars and all the rest, but you go to this event and you hear V8s and V12s all being absolutely 
nailed around the track or around the coast road or mm-hmm. something like that. Like it's that's the sort of thing that inspires people to get into into cars, you know. So it's definitely, you know, and that's really another reason I do it. It's to inspire young people, you know, because I'm a real petrol head, and I I just want to inspire young people to want to drive petrol engines. No offense to electric cars or anything like that there, but it's just not the same. They don't have the same feel about them. They don't they don't they don't give you that adrenaline rush that yeah. I think everybody should have. Uh, well I, I know what you mean. They're just they're they're a different product for a different purpose nearly. And uh I think I uh I had certainly said before, and I'm repeating myself, that you know, if, if uh, I probably wouldn't have started RMS and wouldn't have the same interest in cars and wouldn't have gone into motorsport, maybe if if I has more was was in my teenage years today, perhaps because there's just because the world's changed so much and and uh, and uh, you know, an electric car just doesn't excite someone like a like Ross. Ross has an E46 M3. And it's the 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 loudest. It's fairly obnoxious, Ross. It's it's, it's sort of it's it's uh, you know these people say cars match your uh, personality, so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 not exactly shrinking violet. It, no, de- definitely not. But it's we were talking. We were we were all having a, a good chat earlier, Ronan. You were saying about your your history with TVRs and on the love of of uh, normally aspirated three pedal uh, cars, rear wheel drive with a with a diff, which uh, which is you know what we what we all honestly love and uh, absolutely just give you an abs- an absolute thrill. So uh, being able to hear something, see something like that, uh, uh, thundered off the arm, go down at Bishop's Court, like it's gonna be um, it's gonna be a cracker, uh, a cracker day out. I, th- well, I tell you what, that's the- what I want to bring to everybody. I want to bring that to everybody so they can see it and hear it. You know, and actually feel it. There will be cars there that they will be able to feel the vibration of those cars. Yeah, car Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. And look, and another thing that straight that is just this is typical sort of Northern Ireland. So we've we've had the guys that that run the uh, Dubshed Show, the GTI and I guys on, and we were at one of their shows quite recently, Eurotref and Ross and I, and 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 again, like yourself, those are guys that organise an, an enormous event. Mm-hmm. they all have their own jobs and stuff to try and work it around and like it's 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 incredibly demanding and and it's uh, as i said to them it's a credit to them it's a credit to yourself as well taking that time out because um because it's for a good cause because it's great for uh the whole car community and all the rest too it's um and it highlights as well the, the great places we have to use these cars here northern ireland's fantastic for it. the north coast and the coast road and a fantastic circuit and and all all these owners have like we've pretty good taste here in Northern Ireland. There's the the stuff that knocks about. I see Ross is smiling. Maybe maybe not the yellow M3, Ross. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not true at all. It's lovely. Do but you know uh, something though. Everything you've just said there, it, like it, it really is. It's so true and it resonates because you know we've got car owners with some of the nicest collection of metal anywhere in the UK, uh, Europe, the world. Sometimes um, who don't have that pretentiousness that you know people people sometimes associate with these supercar owners like they're taking they're taking their pride and joys they're taking cars that most of us can only dream of mm-hmm. and not only are they tracking them not only are they raising money for for two fantastic causes but even last year they were doing passenger runs as well Ronan which um you know 
how often is any of us going to have the, the, the opportunity to, to have a fast lap in a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or, you know, McLarens around one of the best race circuits in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I said, it's just, it's amazing. And, and I said, we're often overlooked here. And I think the run that you're going to do um, will definitely highlight, you know, the cars, the roads, the people, everything about it, which makes us petrol heads, which makes us, you know, car enthusiasts and lovers and and yeah i just think it's amazing and and an absolute credit to to you guys the work that goes on in the background as you said seven months of hard work to get to where you are now and uh fingers crossed we've got this weather sticks for the next few days i hope so i hope so it's really down to the weather and you mentioned the passenger laps last year but we are doing passenger laps this year as well Mm -hmm. and that's really down to the generosity of all the guys that own the supercars, you know, to bring them out and take people around. You know, the guys, people here, they like to share and they like to show everybody, you know, uh, not to show. Um, you see young people coming up to the cars and they're all excited about seeing the cars. Yeah. You know, that's a real buzz for an owner because the owners of those supercars, they were children at one time as well, and they felt exactly the same. So, you know, it's just to really encourage young people growing up, look, this is a car, come come and have a look at it, come and get into it, have a scooter around in it. Yeah, there's no pretentiousness uh, here at all. And that's what I, that's why I like about the people here in Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's it. And I think maybe as I sort of touched on it earlier, did, did the pandemic have any effect on people's attitudes? Maybe not. Maybe as you say, maybe there just wasn't the right type of event, and maybe your timing was just was just really good, Ronan, and um, getting getting these people out there. But uh, but that's the other thing too. But no one no one wants to be thought of as pretentious. Like if you love cars, you love cars, and you want. You want you want to try and share that, and and if you were if if someone has a, a poster of a Lambo on the wall at home, and they have a chance to get out around the track, and it, that's just that's just unbelievable. You'd be talking about it for years, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, like so many children last year, you know, they were out in the cars, and like you know, their parents were saying to us, you know, this is just a dream come true for them. Mm-hmm. And you see their their faces, you know, and how, but not just the children, the adults as well, you know, guys, you know, older guys who would have wanted to go out in the Lamborghini, they get out two hot laps in the Lamborghini, you know, it just, that just makes their day, you know, and it is, it's fantastic, and it's fantastic to, to see how happy the cars make people. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, that's, that's what we love, we were, we were talking earlier on about, um, uh, your your own uh, car history there, and you're saying you've you've uh, you had a TVR, and I tell you what, you need to really love cars to have a, have a T for the T, <laughs> have the TVR uh, owner, ownership experience because that is a that is a hot and cold uh, situation where when it's going well, it's it's the bit it is the very best thing, isn't it? it well, I found I found with the Cerbera it was just an adrenaline rush all the time you see when that car was going it just was a full adrenaline rush and it, it scared you driving it but it made you so so excited driving it uh, 
I've never ever been in another car like it. Once. Yeah. I don't think I don't think I ever will be because they're not allowed to build cars like that anymore. No, no, no. That's it's yeah. uh, it's it's a changed world with the amount of uh, well, although in in fairness, uh, maybe safer cars and maybe more reliable cars too. But uh, although although we're, we're we're smiling, we had a conversation with a guy in the last podcast who would who would disagree with that and bought a brand new <laughs> car recently that just wasn't as what you would call. Um, reliable at all so you, not quite as reliable as you would expect when you're spending north of a hundred thousand pounds in the car uh, totally. yes yes but, but, uh, no, no so it's a, that's very exciting and look a testament to actually modern you know, uh supercars and supercar owners because I'm, I'm sure it it won't just be some modern supercars i'm, I'm presuming there's going to be a range of stuff coming out ronan is there from, oh, yes. from what? yes there's a range of stuff and and just uh, just to point out another thing, at Bishop's Court, the same as last year, we encouraged other car clubs to come along as well because the centre paddock, yes, we do keep that restricted to like the supercars, but we also have a, the outer paddock, which we encourage other car clubs to come to or even other individuals that want to bring their car and sh- there's a show and shine competition at it as well. Mm-hmm. So... I really wanted it to be a car day out. You know, yes, I know the headline is Supercar Sunday, but everybody's car can be super, I think. Yeah. So it's just to bring everybody out, everybody that's interested in cars, everybody that wants to see any car come along. And you see, if you have a car that you're really proud of, that you want to show, please bring it along because Bishop's Court 16 acres. And we can fill a lot of cars in there. Wow. And yeah. and importantly, if you come along, dig your hands in your pockets because these are two fantastic charities. And I'm not just saying it for the sake of it. I support our ambulance and uh, our NLI, the lifeboats myself, but um, they, they're, they're two fantastic charities. Um, when I see what Steve Henry does as well, like it's, it's just, it's amazing. So uh, I'm just going to kind of do the wee plug here, dig deep. Um because every penny that, that is lifted in the day goes straight to two absolutely worthy charities. Yes, that's another thing I wanted to point out. Everything we lift goes to the charities. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why like Supercar Sunday is not a club. So there's, <laughs> there's no club. It's just Supercar Sunday. Everybody come out that day. All the money you spend goes to the charity. Uh, so there's no administration fees there's no nothing everything goes to the charity Brilliant. Uh, and there's nothing goes to any club or anything like that there so there's no administration fee in any way just just uh, uh putting years in your own with all the organization <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but that's that's my donation to the charity you yeah. know the the time the time and yes it cost me a wee bit of money too but sure but it's the time that's my donation to all the charities is putting the time in and bringing it all together and seeing it all together at the end of it you know well, certainly something something to be something to be proud of uh for for sure I, we were talking about your your own uh car ownership earlier on you you, you had the uh, tvr and uh mclaren and, and more recently uh a Lambo. What 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 else have you had over the years? 
Ronan mm. Keane, 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 Keane to know what else? What else was in the in the anything else interesting in the back in the back catalogue there? I love I love what you said before the the TV the TV already had like a GTA Astra or something like that. There it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, what other ones? Are, uh, well, I've had a few Maseratis, um, and MC Stradale Maserati, mm-hmm. great car, fantastic. Um, and Aston Martin DBS. Which yep. I sold to if you know Shmee. I was just oh, going to yes. ask you, yeah. That that yeah. was that's the one that Shmee got, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so he bought that. Uh so did, did you meet him or did he just get it get it shipped over? No, I took I took the car over and then it was uh it was the garage I bought it off and sort of arranged the whole deal uh-huh. because I had found another car and Shmee was looking for one of these an Aston Martin DBS in uh, the colour I had, and there only was six of them made, so uh, that's why. Did you did you get to go to the the museum then? Did you? No, no, <laughs> no. I just got to take it to uh, McGurk's. Very good. <laughs> no, I actually met me two weeks ago at the Secret Supercar meet. Oh yeah. Uh, so he was chatting to me about about the car there. He was saying he can't actually bring people to the Shmi Museum because of insurance costs. Wow. Yeah, his insurance company will let him take anybody there. So, Unreal. Yeah, Unreal. That's saying the insurance is horrendous for it. Uh, uh, no matter what you think of him, a man who has done very well for himself, he has some collection of stuff. Oh, yeah. um, and there's a lotus coming, so that suddenly makes now makes him okay in my book. Makes well, he's doing, fellow okay. nerd. he's doing okay. He's doing. He's doing. He's doing all right. So he is. So uh, very good. And then uh, you, you were uh, so stand up for the McLarens here, Ronan. We had we had a a, a a a picture painted of McLaren on our last last event. You, you've had you've had a few. Uh, what were they like for from us an ownership prospect? Well, Adam McLaren six fifty and. <laughs> To be honest with you, I never had any issue with that car at all. Um, you know, it was 100% reliable. It was very fast. And McLaren, to be honest with you, I can't say anything bad about them because McLaren do support my event really well. You know, every mm-hmm. year every year they would give us, say, like a VIP tour of the technology center, you know, to auction off. Oh, fabulous, yeah. Yep. And they, these are things that you can't buy, even if you're an owner. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you can't say, I want to go to the technology center. You know, so they, they, do, they do give me nice things to auction off, you know, for the charity. That's, that's I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying I have no problems with them because they do give me these things, but I genuinely didn't have any issue with, the 650 uh it did depreciate a wee bit more than i would have liked but it's <laughs> that that was in the days when the 650 came out and it was the last the 650 and the 675 came out and they were the last two cars that ron dennis actually he he was in charge on those two cars they were the last two cars that came out mm-hmm. and i always thought his attention to detail well, he's famous for his attention to detail. There wasn't any issues with the cars up until Ron Dennis left. Right, okay. After that, then it was the 570 came out, and then there was corrosion issues. Mm-hmm. 
by four-day corrosion issues and every model after that, yes, I've heard there's been slight issues with uh, bodywork, paint and things like that there. But um, that's that's my own personal view. I don't know how accurate it would be, but it seemed well, to be a, a big coincidence. I suppose it's one of those things we don't, uh, as part of our podcast, we're only, we're only 20, 20 episodes in, but we haven't, apart from last week maybe, or the last show, we, we haven't really talked about supercars that much, and it's not something that we ourselves have much experience in, or yeah. let's be honest, any. So it's interesting talk, talking to uh, owners, and the ownership experience of a supercar is, um, is I suppose, not sometimes not what I... Um, expected and it and it it actually requires like you have to be a real you know a committed enthusiast it's not not necessarily and yes there are people who buy gt3 rs's because they can and you know and uh, speculate and make a huge amounts of uh, money off the back and some but but some of these cars are they are properly hardcore and they require a massive ownership commitment yes to definitely. them yeah Definitely. You know, you know, it's like any car, uh, and it just depends how passionate you are about, you know, the car ownership. There are people that buy them, as you say, and it's just, well, we'll buy that car. And they're not really car enthusiasts, but proper car enthusiasts, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, like last week, I'm out working on my youngest son's MX-5. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, he's he's 17 and he's starting to learn to drive and he's tinkering away at this 1991 mx5 oh an original pop-up headlight one fantastic oh yes yes he saved up last year and uh, and he bought it himself so now he's tinkering away at it to get it ready he wants to bring it along to bishop's court class is it a uk spec is it a unos japanese import what type of it's the unos yeah um, but it, it is a, a limited edition one. I think there was, well, limited edition for MX-5. There was a thousand of this particular one built. It's got huh. the BBS alloys on it. And, and the wee car is all original from 1991. So, uh, uh, here, what what a first car. That's fantastic. And they are they are a brilliant car to work on and, and a fantastic car to drive. Uh, if, an early, another, those early cars are skyrocketing in price too but the mx5 is interesting because it's always been the um like brilliant value because actually very reliable great to drive so Mm -hmm. i uh fabulous i I would get him out and track uh (laughs) on that maybe maybe stay well clear from if he's only just started driving but yeah anyway (laughs) yes well the modification well one of the he does do slight little modifications to it one of them was the original gear knob of my Cerbera, he had to put it on to his MX-5. Okay. It had been in my garage for, oh, it's been in the garage now for about 15 years. And he found this gear knob and he goes, can I take that and put it on to the MX-5? So it's now got a TBR Cerbera gear knob in it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Happy, happy days. Well, look, you're you're keeping the uh, car enthusiast stream alive there, passing, uh, passing it down a, a, I've uh, just had a wee one recently, and, and I don't know if uh, in 17 years' time will she have any interest in uh, any vehicles because, uh, you know, will people have pictures, posters of Teslas on their wall? I don't, mm. I, I can't, I can't see it. 
and they'll, they'll, they'll not, under, not understand their father's uh, fascination with his old stinky petrol <laughs> vehicles in the garage, you know. Yeah, which it, which is a shame. It is it, a shame. <clears throat> it is a shame. I've my um my fellow seven, and he's just nuts about Teslas. He um I'm good friends with Big Pete from uh, PMG, and yes. Pete took uh, my wee Ross out in his Tesla, and just like the acceleration, the like it's, it's it's a mental car anyway, so it is. But but my wee fellow thinks there's just nothing like this Tesla, Pete's, and and again, it's the funny thing, you know, that you know we were always fast cars, petrol, the smell of everything. And now the, the, the generation now are growing up with these warp speed electric cars. And it's just, it's just such a change in times. It is, it is, which, well, maybe I'm a dinosaur, but I like being a dinosaur. Uh, I like the smell, the sound, the, just the whole emotion that goes into them. Uh, electric just, doesn't do that for me there's there's just something about if you're leaving a junction and it might go a wee bit sideways there's just something about that there that puts a smile in your face the sound i see andy laughing away here but <laughs> you know I, I i wouldn't go so far as to say if the junction junction's empty give it plenty but it's just something it's something that the electric cars with their warp acceleration just can't match yeah, no, we need you down at Bishop's Court next week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm on the other side of the fence, my man. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Well, look, uh, well, we're looking looking forward to uh, looking forward to that. Well, what about the um, the one of the current uh, motors in your stable running the the Lambo? What what about that? Is it coming down all at the weekend? It is. Yes, it's. Uh... It's a Murcielago, so again, it's old school. Mm-hmm. It's got the fa- five-speed gated manual in it, uh, and a clutch, and a big V12. That's uh, as you can hear it coming along, and that will definitely be down at Bishop's Court. So I'm, I am not. Uh, the, uh, I wouldn't have the most knowledge of Lamborghinis, but I do know that there was a was the Murcielago. Was that the first when they were part of the uh, when Lambo were bought over by the Volkswagen Audi Group? Was that that sort of yes. period, or was that yep? Yes, that was the first one that Audi sort of take. They took control, but sort of took control about it. Um, it was still built in Italy, uh, mm-hmm. but the quality and the build quality would be better than the previous models. Um, I've had it now nearly a year and Touchwood haven't had any issues with it at all. I do tinker about with it a little bit, you know, <laughs> myself, but um, that's just that's just how I am. I like to well just doing basic things like, you know. Yeah. Uh, what color what, what color is it? Oh it's black. Say. It's black, black. It's all black. black. It's like the, the Batman car, then you know the 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 big, huge exhaust at the back in the middle of it, and the gull wing doors, and just black as midnight, huh? That's the one. Yes, yes, oh, that's incredible. that's it. Yeah. So it, it is. It's like an adrenaline rush to get into it and start it up and and drive it. It's not like the modern cars. You know, it's a lot. It's not as comfortable as the modern cars but i uh, i like it i like to feel the i like to feel that big engine behind us i like to feel the vibration 
coming through the car and I like to hear the car going. So, I, I'm sure what's a is it, I presume it's a V12 like massive capacity like six plus liters is it? It's six point two liter V12. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> fantastic, absolutely class. Well, look, uh, look forward to uh, forward to hearing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and look, looking forward to the event running. Um, absolutely incredible, uh, and great story too about uh, how it's come about, and it's all for the right causes and all the rest. So, if anyone's interested in it in a day out at the end of the month, it is uh, just to remind everyone again, it is the thirtieth and the thirty first of July. So that's the Saturday and Sunday. You keep me right, Ronan. If I get yes, in, the right. yep. yep. starting at half ten. Northwest pits between Port Rush and Port Stewart, and then ten o'clock in Port Stewart. Ten, ten o'clock. o'clock, yeah, ten o'clock in Port Stewart until one o'clock, and then the convoy will leave at one o'clock and make their way down the coast road, and then ten thirty at Bishop's Court. Uh, everything will start there. We're not just having supercars there, as wow. us. Uh, we're having a, some single seaters there. Fry are bringing over a few special cars, uh, like one of their GT3 or the 488 challenge car bring mm-hmm. one of those over just to do a few demonstration laps you know because these cars they're never seen here mm-hmm. um, and they're prior bringing over a race team as well you know to do a few demonstration laps and their new Ferrari 296 uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah the yeah. V6 one yeah fantastic yes, it's the new V6 hybrid yeah uh, so they'll be doing a few demonstration laps and that and taking a few passengers out for uh, passenger laps in those cars as well. That's incredible. That's mm. incredible. That's incredible. Look, uh, thanks for coming on the showroom. Really appreciate it. And all the best for the, for the event. And we will hopefully see you there. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me on here. That was good. So you've you've a stand then, Ross. Down as now Roland's away. You've you've a stand there this year. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm exhibiting again. Uh, again, one of the really cool things that uh, I meant to say when they done it last year was they had approached uh, they had approached a few of us guys uh, who do the car shows and that there, and they kind of said to us, "Look, if you're interested in putting a stand up, we'll do that there. We're not asking you for like a fixed price, but what we would like you to do is to make a donation based on." what you collect from the day mm-hmm. which I, again i just thought it was like a really it's a different way of doing things um mm-hmm. and again because because you know that everybody who's there on the day um is digging deep into it to to raise money for it it's one of those ones where you're only too happy to kind of help and it's, it's one of those shows that you would do for free anyway and and just you know put a load of earnings into it because the air ambulance itself is, is a fantastic cause and and you know it's been used more and more uh, over here yeah, yeah, it's a, um, it's a, unbelievable. I was uh, was having a wee one recently. I was down at the down around the Royal a lot, and you see it flying about the place. You know, it's uh, doing a lot of good, doing it, a lot it, of good really work. Is. I think it's still one of the craziest things, though. Uh, and and I need to you know fact check me on this here, but but the air ambulance can't land at the Royal Airport. Or, sorry, the Royal uh, Hospital has to land normally around Boucher Plainfields, and then casualties are ambulanced from there over there's something oh, wow. 
Yeah, it, it, there's there was something that uh, the helipad wasn't fit for purpose when it was designed. Mm-hmm. So instead of kind of fixing it or getting on with it, now what they, they do is they drop the helicopter down by the Boucher Road playing fields and uh, an ambulance will then do the... Funnily enough, I've never seen it land, in, in nope. fairness. Nope. So, uh, so, there, so there you go. Well, here, um, we did touch on it earlier on, our, our last podcast, Podcast 19 with Warren Mercer, but... Uh, you and I were both at the Euro Treffen show up in the uh, Blue Circle Club outside Larne. Another f- amazing event organised by GTI and I. And uh, it was quite a bit of chat actually about uh, from various people about uh, about the podcast and about Warren's uh, uh, revelations. Now it was it was uh, nice to hear, but but what a what a great day out as well. Yeah, it was uh, again fantastic, and and all credit to the guys, you know, Nigel, Gath, and Connor Lee, you know, all those ones from the GTNI team. Um, they never disappoint. Put it like that there. Uh, but once again, your traffic was was a standout event because, you know, just have you ever been to a show that has just got like a more kind of relaxed, chilled out atmosphere to it, where there's just people are kind of happy to be loitering about chatting shit talking about cars having a bit of fun a bit of yep. banter it's just it's an amazing setup and again an absolute credit to those guys for the hard work that's put in for months and months in the run up to it um and, and again it was the weather was pretty good all day there was a few heavy downpours but you know what nobody really cared that much there was uh, a few of us guys at the trade tents uh, when it came rain time like everybody i think there's one stage where i had about 35 or 40 people in <laughs> in underneath my tent but you know something it was just it was really cool and and i love that show it's, it's it's just so nice to go to great day out absolutely uh fantastic day out and then uh, we did rms had a cars and coffee then on the on the sunday as well at uh, and it's great we turn out as well coffee cart in mollusk um once a month uh Ben and crew organise it, so it's well worth keeping an eye on the on the RMS forum. I think there's another one uh, first week of August. August time, yeah. I'm I'm going to definitely make the the effort to get up. But Sunday mornings normally I've got well, you, you'll learn about this in a few years to come. But Sunday mornings are normally like gymnastics or football or something with the kids out there. But do you know something? I, I'm definitely going to make the effort because again, um, like just completely randomly and coincidentally, I was I was travelling up to Newcastle uh, one day last week. And I met, there was like seven or eight cars coming and there were mostly four members. There was Gemma, there was Sammy, you know, the, the R34s, the the Evos, there was Murph and the 350Z. So mm-hmm. I got part of a mini convoy. And and again, it, it's very reflective of the the same kind of the, the RMS cars and coffee mates. Like it's just a really kind of cool, relaxed vibe. There's just nice people, nice cars, no shit. It's just... Like it's just really cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to make the effort to to get up to to one of these Sunday cars and coffee mates. And if you're living under a rock and have no idea what we're talking about when we say RMS, go to rmsmotoring.com, click on forum, go into the news events section and see what's going on. You'll know what I mean. Um, in other news, we're getting absolutely sweltered here, and uh, that uh, I am glad that BMW chose this time to release their subscription for heated seats because that's. Uh, absolute travesty and uh hopefully it falls uh on its arse it's it's horrendous but do you know something that again a few of the guys this was discussed in the forum and people have said this this isn't something new and um and it's not really because my wife she has an x5 and again we spoke to warren about you know when when you're buying 
you know, like a, a new prestigious kind of car. You would expect it to have all the bells and whistles. But her car, a standard, even though it's coded for it, and every, even though everything else, it didn't come with auto headlights. That was like a £100 option that you had to pay for to mm-hmm. allow the auto headlights to work. So so this kind of whole subscription thing, it's, it's not entirely new, but BMW are definitely taking the piss with it. Yeah, I, I remember, uh, was it... Uh... Something really random. Like I remember years ago, you used to get a like if you got a, a works van and it came with a Tom Tom sat nav, and you had to used to have to pay per co- postcode. Yep, it's like nonsense like that. And of course, of course, the Tom Tom was may as well have been a paperweight. No one ever but, wanted to pay for it. But it, it's you know again even on on my X five when I got it, uh, I had to pay one hundred fifty quid to allow CarPlay to work on it. Unreal, unreal. Mad. And this is because you, you know you're going to because it's just so much handier that you know, and again, it, it, it's it really is kind of testament to how how we all kind of get suckered in. So, whilst it has its own inbuilt sat nav and it's I'm sure it's great and whatever else, nothing beats sticking on Google Maps out there. You know, I mm-hmm. was down at Dublin Zoo uh last week with the kids and we decided we were going to nip over to Liffey Valley Shopping Center and I knew roughly you know where the back of the M50 and kind of roughly where to go but stuck it into Google Maps and they were able to tell me that well look there's road closures here there's diversions there's a crash here blah 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 and it took me through some of the pokiest tiniest wee roads that I would never in a month of Sundays have been able to find my way through but we've all just become so used to it and 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 the unfortunate thing is, I think BMW know what they're doing here with us here. Audi, no doubt, will be following suit. Um, we're 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 all sheep, and we will pay for these things. Yeah, and I suppose they're maybe thinking, right? We just fully load the car, we turn all the stuff off, we're reducing our production costs. Well, that is if they can actually get the app equipment to do it. X fives are a good example where they're shipping them without touchscreens because of the chip shortages and that sort of stuff. Yep. But it's um oh, it's mad all it's mad altogether. There's that um a Kia EV6 that I uh I tested and the base car has all of that stuff as standard, all switched Everything. on, Apple CarPlay, heated seats, heated steering wheel, all out of the box. Um I was gonna say Tesla, but then Tesla do want to say, well, you you can hop into your long range model three or model Y and We'll go to this screen here. Do you want to go not to 60? We'll drop that from 4.8 to 4.2. Just enter your car details in this large screen. Uh, was it 1,600 quid or 1,800 yeah, quid or something like that? 1,500, 1,600 quid. It's mad. But pe- people are doing it because, you know, they're they're going, well, I've got nearly all the benefits of the performance model, but I've got an extra 80-mile range. Yeah, yeah. And I will be honest with you, if I had a Model uh, 3 long range or something, I maybe would spend the money. Yeah, you uh, would. Yeah. You would. We Oops. all would. Uh, of course, of course. But uh, apart from Rocco, I don't think Rocco will. No, no. I think I think he has the fear. <laughs> he's uh, he's uh, actually he's too too miserable for it. You're talking about too miserable. Let me see. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up to see can this work. Uh, we done we done the thing. We asked yes, we asked people for questions, and we also said to people, look, if they wanted to send us a voice note, they could do they could do so. So we have a few hilarious. Uh, um, Voice yeah, notes so from people as well as questions on the forum. So go I'm, on ahead. Gonna, I'm gonna hit play here, see if does this work. No, no, you're having technical issues. Technical issues. Let's switch Bluetooth off, that's what it is. Hi Ross, Rocco here. Long time listener, first time caller. Oh, is that all he says? No. <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller. In the previous podcast, you said fuel might go to 2.50 a litre, if it does. 
just how loudly do you think I'll be laughing? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what he sent me. But, you know, that he, I think he would wet himself, um, but he's still not spending the money to get it, the, the car remap. So here's uh, here's the thing. It's funny enough about the uh, prices of fuel. I was thinking about the uh, between the weather and the price of fuel. We have what I determine as the great motoring dilemma, where diesel's like two pound a liter, but we're having the most warmest day on record, and you're like you're trying to slip along and get every last MPG <laughs> you can, but you might want to turn the AC on, which will just make a mockery of, of uh, your all your hypermiling and and slipping down the road in in neutral. So uh, we just get more shafted, but thank goodness the price of fuel is starting to flip and yeah, it, it, drop. It, it was getting ridiculous there. I think the most expensive fill I had, uh, it was just, it was almost 170 pounds. And, and that, it's just not feasible. You know, they're, they're, I think one of the guys on, on the forum asked, you know, what, what is the cutoff point? Um, you know, he was he was considering changing, uh, you know, his working situation out there to see could he work from home out there because mm-hmm. it came to a point where where it literally wasn't feasible for him to drive to work because you know his, his end of week running costs uh, versus what he takes in there was negligible difference and 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 yeah it's it, it's thank goodness it's coming down because I think it was going to be very close to breaking point for a lot of people. Well, look, the, the part of the problem is too that uh, I suppose over the pandemic and people weren't doing a lot of driving and all the rest, uh, and people were maybe on furlough and all the rest had a, f- a few quid about them uh, that you say, well, I can I can stick with running something that, that only does 20 miles to the gallon or something like that. Whereas the tables have turned so quickly. Cost of fuel is one thing, but the cost of electric, the cost of food, everything has just gone through the roof. And... It's bound to make people think. Well, where where do I need to where do I need to cut back? You know, yeah. But, where, uh, where, where can we make savings? Um, but <laughs> you know, at the same time, we, we we talk about that there. The thread on on RMS uh, about the ninety nine pump over at Loch Brickland uh-huh. <laughs> still as busy as ever because you know we 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 will all kind of work out where we can cut our cloth accordingly, but also where we can make sacrifices to keep on enjoying what we want to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Driving down to the food bank and a flipping <laughs> M5. Yeah. <laughs> right. I have a voice note here, and uh, we'll see if I have more more luck with the technology. So here we go. Hello, it's Cook here, your local friendly forum admin. I have two questions. Gentlemen with beards and fat caps, fingers stained with ten W forty, want to spend their weekends in damp sheds fiddling with their twin Delordos. Will be aghast to hear that anything over 20 years old is considered a classic by certain insurance companies in Northern Ireland. Unbelievably, this puts things like the Mark 1 Ford Focus, BMW Mini, um, my personal favourite, the Mark 1 ID TT, and the classic status. That means you get classic motor running costs, but the mod cons of newer cars. Given this information and what I would consider to be a decent budget of five grand, what modern classic would the podcast team suggest? Now, uh, he's about to go on to another question there, but we'll, we'll, we'll try and pick that one up first. And this actually required us to do some thinking and some research, which was, was a bit of a tall, a tall ask. But, we, <laughs> but uh, thanks for your voice message, Cook. We, we, have, been, uh, we have been looking. So, uh, well, I thought, first of all, like, I was like, how practical does this have to be? Uh, straight on to Autotrader and uh, five grand up to 2002 for your for your 20 years and then uh, did greater than the horsepower which was great fun 
So, <laughs> so um, th- th- harking back to episode two of the podcast, uh, we had a previous owner of one of these, a Cadillac Seville. So Chris Suter had a Caddy, I believe, but you can get a 4.6 STS with 74,000 miles on it, a 301 horse auto for four nine nine five. I don't think I would own it, but it was uh, it was certainly something um, something different. It was there's, yeah, there was something interesting about it. Uh, but I don't think anybody other than Suter could pull off wafting around in a caddy. Well, well, what about this then? Uh, a uh, two thousand on a W silver saloon car by uh, Mercedes Benz. Uh, it is an S55 AMG long wheelbase for 4950, which is also just a ridiculous limoage. I, I could see Coog in, in an S, uh, a 2000 S55, absolutely just wafting around in it. It would, just, it would just go lovely with his history of buying other big motorway slushers like his, uh, uh, was it an XJ? That's right. He had the big long wheelbase, uh, as you said, just the, the ultimate wafter just to. Well, there's an there's an XJR as well. So an O1 um, Jag XJR, four liter V8, 110 k on it, 370 horse, and uh, four nine seven five. But yes, if you want horsepower, 20 years old, you get a big brick with a big sofa in it, <laughs> and plenty of power. I kind of uh, I was looking the other way because again. If you spend that kind of money for a classic car, you probably want to go and do have a wee bit of fun and do track days. And and I kind of down to a choice of two or three, and there maybe one is definitely left field on it. Uh, I found a nineteen ninety eight MX five uh, drift track car, road mm-hmm. vehicle, twelve months MOT, two grand. Uh, it's really cool. It looks like Lightning McQueen, but you know, again, rear wheel drive, slip diff. Wee bit of fun, top down driving. How could you complain about that there with two grand? Well, I, I'm not going to search for it because I've been there, done that. But uh, you could obviously get uh, IS two hundred. Now, I also ironically, I bought like an O one IS two hundred a couple of years ago and sold it to Coog. <laughs> <laughs> so, did. so uh, um, but there, there's a nurse for every seat, huh? It was uh, incredibly disappointing. It would not. Uh, pull the skin off custard those things no the the other one that that i found that it just really appealed to me because it was something a wee bit different and it's something i think you'd have a wee bit of fun in get this 2001 mm-hmm. 22,000 miles 1.7 liter one owner for puma pumas are uh, a, f- a fantastic driving car amazing chassis amazing gearbox uh they just rot like anything and, yeah. and blow up. So so we had a 1.4 in the household, 1.4 ZTEC, uh, oh, about at least 10 years ago. Uh, wheel arches were rotten and it uh, threw a leg out of bed as well. In fact, it threw a leg out of bed off an RMS member's yard and destroyed his lovely new, um, <laughs> it was uh, Les at Turkington Pit Stop, we dropped it into him and then he, he went to start it up the next day to put the engine into it because it, it was rattling like hell and it threw the leg out and put oil over his lovely new concrete. He was not happy. Well, you're talking about something rotting through the leg out. The other one I found, although uh, five grand on it for a 1986 Toyota Corolla GT, 
remember the wee fastback ones? They, I love them, but this thing is pure rotten, so it is. But there's just something still very, very cool about them. I, I don't know how Craig thinks that there's going to be all this, you know, bangernomics running costs of something that's twenty plus years old. I think, I think for people, people like him who have that sadistic nature of wanting to tweak things, and he's, and he's probably sitting listening, going. <laughs> well, my Mark II driver doesn't need a doesn't need a spanner. Yeah, turned on it. Yeah, but we're all not la- that lucky. No, definitely not. So, uh, look, he has. I think he has another part to his question here, which we haven't listened to yet. So let's get that going. Second question for the team: You've talked at length about track days and drifting. What other motorsports are available in Northern Ireland, and how could somebody get more information about them? Ooh. I, I think uh I think we need to bring someone on to talk about that. That's yeah, that's that's for somebody else. That's that's uh without doing any research, we bit out we bit out of the wheelhouse, Craig. That's a that's a difficult one, but it's it's a good one to uh a good one to ask because yeah, there is loads of drift events. Um I suppose uh Bishop scored again recently. Uh, we we've definitely spoken about this here on on you know one of the previous or one of the very recent previous uh podcasts, but Bishop's Court now uh, over at the old airfield part of it. Uh, there's uh, there's a group of guys have set it up. You know they they have people coming out for full on drift days. Uh, they've got some of the bigger you know well known drift cars coming down to get some track time up as much as anything else, as well as just the standard kind of you know the the IS two hundred crowd out just going. Bop, 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 bop. I I think he maybe means well. What about sprints, hill climbs, um, auto tests, and that sort of stuff? You know, as as well. I think we need to get someone on from from. Uh, We've got a couple of four members who are uh, big into that side of it. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, okay, point point well made, Craig. We're go- we're going to expand our horizons, and and that because the some of those events are spectacularly well attended. I remember I did the um, no, no, it was it wasn't really a. Uh, a proper hill climb, but it I did the control hill climb in the in the S14, but I just blackened the place. So it just it, it was great crack. It was absolutely fabulous. But uh I would say that the hill climbs and the sprints would be would be a lot of fun as well. And they do it at um Nuts Corner and Kirkston and and all that sort of carry on, you know. Just, just to ask you so you blacken the place, you you know and 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 probably that's something we can talk about in another uh podcast at length. But so you used to do a bit of drifting in that there. Um mm-hmm. Where, Andy, did you, because, okay, again, speaking from, from my own point of view, I'd love to, I've been to Rally School Ireland a couple of times, you know, something yeah. that Renis and Pete and myself go to, you know, every year we're going to do a bit of this. But what I want to kind of learn to do a bit more is to is to learn how to hang a second gear drift in maybe an E46 M3, because anybody can, you know, do a donut. Anybody can, you know, slide out of a junction. But to be able to, drive the car with a wee bit of control and and i've i've definitely heard you speaking before about you know how pliable you find the e46 chassis uh i've seen you took it you took your e46 to the Nürburgring, and yep. uh there was definitely a couple of videos up of of uh you hanging the back end out in a few of the the famous corners absolutely um and i actually frown upon that now at, at the Nürburgring. Where, where andy do you like where where could i go or where could i learn to do that a wee bit like are you clutch kicking it are you doing things to get to to send it out 
Well, well, first of all, I could talk all day about uh, drifting because I I still love it, and and it's and then the sort of car control, the different ways you can get, you know, uh, you're sort of using the weight of the car, do weight transfer, you know, uh, shift lock where you're 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 changing down and popping the clutch out and making the car brake traction that way, or lifting the handbrake, or or just uh, just using standard power oversteer, just standing on it, but. Um, uh, it's difficult like where i learned of course that uh places you shouldn't be doing it was <laughs> was uh number one but uh i remember back in the day and you can't do it anymore sadly but uh when the council owned nuts corner motorsport center it was mm-hmm. 35 pound an hour to go up there and you could have slid all night and, wow. I, and i and i threw i uh myself and robert bought a gsi carton between us back when we were like 19 or 20 and I remember going up there for and so it was great. So it was a proper circuit, mm-hmm. and you know, perfectly legal and all that, which was which was great. See, to get off the road and be able to do that and not not be doing silly antics about the place, yeah. and um, and it was a great place to learn. And you could you could carry a bit of speed, um, but somewhere maybe like uh, there is uh, the Eglinton drift days are quite good. I know it's, I know it's not very handy. But if you, you don't want to take a car like yours to the the Nuts Corner Oval, that's not that's not no. the place. That's not the place for you. And again, Bishop's Court as well. One of the things that that uh, the guys were saying is that because the 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 track is a lot of concrete mixed into it, tires have been shredded. So there's guys only getting like two laps done before they're having to to go mm-hmm. through another set of tires. And there's no fun in that either. You know where you want to get. I, I I've always thought that you know in Northern Ireland here that there has to be there's scope for that kind of. You know, for, for learning and and controlling a rear wheel drive car, a wee bit better than just doing these, you know, king of the cone things. I I really hope that there's someone screaming at the at uh, the podcast going, "Oh, what about such and such?" But as I say, the 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 Eglinton days are are the only sort of ones that um that come to mind that wouldn't be the type of cars that go to the, the oval. Now, now let me be clear: some of the guys that do the oval, incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot of carnage and all goes on, but there's a lot of guys in there too that are uh, have have incredible car control, and especially considering the type of vehicles that they're in, you know yeah. that you know. So, uh, but yeah, uh, so I was able to go to the um, use nuts corner back in the day too. I could have went to a, a, the club GTI used to run uh, in its original form. Club GTI used to run on track days at Kirkison, and you used to be able to drift at it. So Brilliant. there's photos of me drifting. You can't can't do that anymore. No. It's just um, you know the socially that's that's the reason why you can't do it. At, uh, well, why Nuts Corner Motorsports Centre got sold and all the rest. There was complaints and you know and the council eventually had to sell the track and all the rest. And and circuits are very careful about noise regulations and all mm-hmm. the rest. And they say, well, cars revving high and tires tires squeal and all the rest, and it carries so far. Not now some of that I've. I question, but yeah, uh, but it is a shame too because it. You're right; it teaches you an awful lot about uh, about car control. So I was very fortunate to be able to go to places like that and then start to go to proper drift events mm-hmm. afterwards. You know, and not just uh, those facilities just aren't available here across the water. I think I'd say you would get um, more yeah, events. It, it, it seems to be quite popular and Mandelo. I would say yeah. you, you'll get um, the guys down in Mandela. You'll, you'll probably get uh, even the likes of the A86 days and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. where there will be a bit of sliding about. But it's on a good circuit. 
Yeah, and you're probably good. Get um, you just need to get get out with someone who is um, like if you know anyone, Ross, who would happily shred your tires and give you a well, bit of run and commentary. You never you never know uh, who that might be. I'm being deadly. Yeah, like if I could find somebody who could do that there with me and say, okay, look, this is this is what I can do in this car. So you know, let me show you how you can do it. Because I don't well, think I'm probably too far off it, but you know, it would just it'd be nice to do it in a, a kind of safe environment. So so yeah, if anybody knows anywhere, hit us up on the on the. Instagram on the the various channels you can hit us up on the pod on the forum and all as well. Yep. So uh, certainly, I would look forward to uh, taking a few mil off your uh, back tires. Absolutely, very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Shave a few mil off the Linglongs. So uh, I don't think we've answered Coog's questions in any shape or form uh, completely. But sure, uh, neither am I too worried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? What else have we got on the? Uh, uh, for I'm just reading the uh, thread. Yes, we were uh, we were talking about uh, fuel prices. How high can fuel prices go before protests start? Well, hopefully they're heading the right the right direction. I'm just starting to read through the thread here um, now. Now here's a good one. Here's a very topical one. Would you ever buy a car sight unseen across the water and get it transported home? I did. I bought a new car um, that way because I sort of figured I was buying it from a dealership. So how bad can it be? So let, well, let me ask that. Another. Had you been in one of them, like locally anyway, to see what it was like? Or yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. So you, so it was brand new. So you sort of had an idea of what you were so getting. I had an idea of what I was getting. But again, it was just very much done that uh, it was it was a day of planes, trains and automobiles. Flew over, uh, got a train then uh, further up, got picked up by them, went in, signed over, Hand over some money and took the new car home, and absolutely faultless. Can't complain about it. But would I be ballsy enough to spend several thousand pounds going over sight unseen on a car I had no idea about or secondhand car that I don't have a garage backup? I don't think so. Well, and, and I think they're asking a slightly different question because what you're saying, I've done that loads of times, and sometimes I've been sorely disappointed. Like, uh, so you're talking about going over and just buying something. Now, uh, it was only a few hundred quid, but I remember I went over to buy a 24-valve Vauxhall Senator. Very exciting. It was 400 quid, Newcastle upon Tyne, on a Sunday. Hopped into it and got from Newcastle Airport to the, the roundabout. And I was like, there's not a be- shell bearing left in this thing. And it was just the, the bottom end was just hanging out of it. So I remember I, had, I went and bought a 25 XLD out of the, the free classifieds um. to get home. And I, but I, I actually delete that car for six months <laughs> after that. But but what I think what they're talking about here is sight unseen. Uh, haven't seen it before. It's eBay or whatever else. Buy it now. Stick it on a transporter for me and bring it to my door. And that and uh, do you know what? It's hard to know. I think if I had an idea of who was selling it. Yeah. You know, if you were in, if you're on an owner's forum or something like that, and you had, there was all these threads and all this sort of stuff, maybe. But, uh, but you know what? Lots of people do this all the time, whether mm-hmm. it is a 3 a.m. purchase on a Sunday morning because they're full of tequila or um, it's COVID and people couldn't go anywhere. Like, I, th- I think to answer that question is Alpine F30 asking the question. Uh, his avatar is hilarious with, the, with Cletus from uh, The Simpsons on it but um, that's, uh, yeah. I'll find out if that's Chris Maron so um, 
so yeah, I think loads of people have done that over you know, since the pandemic. It's just become it's become normal. No, I, I think the other the, the other thing in that question is what's the value of the car? You know, mm. and again, you're you flew over sight unseen on a four hundred quid car that turned out to be a, a scrapper. Mm-hmm. Surprise, would surprise. You, <laughs> would you have done the same thing with a four grand car or a fourteen grand car? Well, I bought my GT4. I'd never, I'd never driven a GT4 before. I flew over and, and drove it. And part of the problem with that was no one would let me drive a GT4 as well. And yeah. I had, and I had went to uh, three or four different Porsche dealers in various parts of England, um, and no one would let me drive drive anything. And so my first drive a GT4 was a uh, guy met me at the airport. It was, it was, it was such a shock. In the GT4, and he just said, "Right, hop." He says, "Sure, you haven't insured." And I was like, "Well, yeah, I do." That's before money had changed hundreds. Right, hop in, yeah. and I drove her for forty minutes back to his place. Wow. Yeah, you know. So, um, but like, if it didn't work out, I would just flown home. You just yeah. get home, you know. Stuff, uh, stuff happens. I'll, 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 I'll go into it sometime about the time I bought uh, a two hundred SX, which uh, had a broken turbo and, had, and drove it from uh, Preston to London to get it fixed and then did two track days on it. I'll, I'll tell you about that uh, some other time, but, but that's the sort of stuff you get into, you know. The, the only thing I bought sight unseen, actually, that is in my mind. So I bought a lorry. Okay. <laughs> I bought a lorry sight unseen. So uh, a few years ago, I had a contract um, and, and that required me driving the HGV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a small seven and a half ton DAF and I needed something bigger to carry a heavier load. Couldn't find anything on this side of the water and got speaking to a dealer over in England, somewhere outside Lincolnshire. I can't even remember where they were. Anyway, we, we talked about things. I sent him over some photographs and videos of my wee lorry and uh, I told him I needed something about 18 tonne. So mm-hmm. this was seven and a half tonne. Uh, I meant I needed an 18 tonne lorry, not 18 tonne of a load. <laughs> so so <laughs> I uh, I got the Jonathan Swift, so the 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 fast ferry from Dublin over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, drove about three hours up to beat this guy in uh, truck services. So drove in. I'm sitting there and I goes, "Where the frig is he?" Because I have to get back. I have to get the the fast boat tonight. Uh, phoned him and he goes, "I'm here." And I goes, "Where?" He says, "I'm here waiting for you." I goes, "Well, I'm here. I'm here like forty minutes and I haven't seen you yet." <laughs> over. <laughs> Overcame this behemoth of a lorry. It, it turned out it was a full Arctic, which uh, had been professionally chopped and lengthened out to, I think it was like 12 meters long uh, overall. You could have fit my seven and a half ton lorry on the back of this truck. And I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do this here? Money had changed hands. Everything was done dusted. So it was like literally a, a key change in exercise. I had a phone another truck driving friend of mine on the way down. So he was driving over England. I go, Sammy, I'm in this thing here. It's like eight gears high, eight gears low and split shift and this and the other. I had done my test in the HCV. I'd done my test in, in an Artec lorry, but I'd never driven one like this here. So it was, I had three hours to become accustomed a to this here. Got down to the Jonathan Swift <laughs> and they're like, where the fuck do you think you're going? I goes, I'm booked here. He goes, you're not, <laughs> not that, you're not. <laughs> so, I had to wait then to like the, the three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning and on oh, the on. So I bought the site on scene. Um and yeah, that, that was probably the only thing that, that was a wee bit different. Although having said that there, I, I kept them for two years. It uh, got it fully repainted, all done up and the whole works. And um yeah, it, it, it made us money, but that was the only thing I bought site on scene. And it was one of those there, 
oh shit moments about what, <laughs> what am I supposed to do this here? But hey, look, it was part of the fun. I just realized that 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 uh, those questions we had actually answered a, few, a fair few of those in the in the last show as well. Of course, that was uh, uh, that was very smart of us. I was in the I was actually in the wrong thread. So look at that. We're not absolutely um, infallible whatsoever. But uh, funnily enough, I, I must make a list of some of the silly stories about going over to buy cars. Um, cars in England, but really doing really stupid things like uh, we were uh, in our second GSI car. We had uh, after we blew up the first one at Nuts Corner Motors, but I actually blew it up on the way to the track at Nuts Corner Motors. But so it even didn't give, didn't even get it out, and it was uh, the head gasket was flipping clean out of it, and uh, flew over. Looked at this GSI, it was grand. Brought it up to Liverpool Ferry. It was early in the day. I was like, let's go and look at the 3T, 325i Sport down in Birmingham. I'm sure we're doing nothing else. <laughs> Went down, looked at it for two minutes, bundled the scrap, missed the Liverpool ferry, had to drive to Larne, or had to drive to Kern Ryan. You know, it's just, just mad just stuff like things. that. But uh, those are things that stories are made of that, that you'll remember and have a laugh about. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, right, I've, I've found the proper thread now. So uh, the Daniel asks, when does a warm hatch become a hot hatch? And uh, does it have to have 200 horse more to be a hot hatch or are there other factors? Well, I would say the hot hatch game is 300 horsepower plus. You know, it's it's Golf R territory. I wouldn't say a 220, 230 brake Golf GTI would be particularly hot. I wouldn't say an ST Fiesta is hot, but I would say an RS Focus is hot. Because those like that game is has moved way on. Like it's, it's moved up so much. What's the GRS? Uh, what is it? What is it? Hot? Is it a cold hatch? Uh, well, <laughs> what, what BHP are they? Because I would think they're a hot hatch. Well, I've been two, in a couple of them. Two sixty ish, but I know I I don't know if it sort of falls into those sort of categories. I would say an i thirty N is a hot hatch yeah. and a brilliant one at that. Brilliant. So and it's it's three hundred horse. So I I would say uh, what are the factors? I think the game has moved on. It's it's. Um, it's 300 brake plus as where the um, hot hatches are. And if you look at the AMG A45, 400 mm-hmm. horse, it's just totally moved the game on um, uh, massively. Favourite hot hatches. I have to say, when I test, when I had the i30N on test, I got back into the RS and I went, wow, this is the first car that's made me think there's, other, there's alternatives out there. You know, and as uh, if you need more practicality, um, i30n was uh, wow it's just especially the dct one uh, but the guy who uh, used to run m division for bm now he does m division for hyundai so that's why they're so good they're uh they, they sound fantastic as well those i30ns they're yep. just all, all pops and bangs and all, yeah. all the rest so that question was from the daniel uh good one the daniel maybe not the answer you wanted to hear if we were saying well it needs to have 300 horse it doesn't need to have 300 horse 300 horse in a hatchback seems a bit daft and there's plenty. There are plenty of other, like the i20N, for example, which is a 16 turbo and around 200 brake, or the ST Fiesta and stuff like that. There, those cars are great crack. I would say the sort of are they a super mini hot hatch? I don't know what you call them or either, but they're probably more crack because they're lighter and a bit more lively, and maybe because because hot hatches are getting fat and heavy, like. Um, like the rest of us. Next, like us. <laughs> next, I know. Next question is from from Crow. Dare I say the F word and trigger the? If you can't afford to bat, don't bat. But finance. Um. Mm, 
I've I financed uh, every car I've had for about the last 14, 15 years. You know, it, it's uh, I think Warren said something. Uh, even if he had the money in the bank, and I'm sure he does, um, he still wouldn't have spent the money outright on buying any car he's had. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of the same. Uh, you know, it, it's I, I don't know how many of us have a spare 40, 50, 60, 70,000 pounds in the bank. But if you did have it and you threw that money onto a car outright, I think you'd be a fool. I really do. Well, uh, interestingly, when I bought the Lotus Evora, I took my first ever big loan. Apart from my student loan, that was my first big loan to buy it. To buy it. And I suppose, um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, why did I not do it before then? Because I sort of look back at now and I've had sort of loans since to sort of bridge bridge the gap and I've bought cars that have sort of held their money and have paid off the loan and then did a wee bit more and and sort of uh, that's how I've worked my way up from um, from the Avora. But it's it's interesting. It's like a, affording a monthly payment, I find once I got used to it and understood the way it worked, it was fine. And especially if I was taking out a loan Loan rates at the moment are very low, like two point nine percent, three percent. So the amount of interest is is tiny. And if you're buying a car that has very low depreciation, I think that's that's reasonable enough. But then when I bought the Yaris, like I bought the Yaris as a complete win. Yeah. Well, but not really. I knew what the car was and all the rest, and I really loved it and thought it was just all me. And uh, really, I'd, I'd never anything. I had couple of Subarus years and years ago, but never had them in front at the time. And I really, really wanted to, and then that Toyota PCP at £250 a month with six or seven grand down. And I thought, I'll give that a go. And again, like I've just, I've just resigned myself to that's fine. And because I have to deal with it. I have to deal with the balloon payment. Mm-hmm. I suppose my, my thought on that is at the same time is, uh, as we're finding at the moment, the costs of living are going through the roof and, and how can you get out of, you know, don't put yourself in a situation that you might not be able to afford in the future. That's yeah, the only I, thing I would say. I, I think that's that's exactly right. You know, finance. There's a lot of people kind of <sighs> sneer about somebody who's financing the car that they're you know, and and a lot of it is oh they're keeping up the Joneses. But for me personally, I have a figure in my head that I can afford to spend on a car, mm-hmm. and if I spend all that money, great. And if I don't spend all that money no me i'll waste it on something else so i i've kind of just been of that mindset for for us at the last 15 16 however long it is anyway uh, since i've been leasing cars and and i just got into that way very soon am i right doing it i'm wrong doing it i don't know i've definitely made mistakes along the way there's no doubt about that um and and the current car i'm in the x5 is probably the only one that i'm going to like make money on if i was to sell it um at the end i know that my balloon payment is less than what they're currently booking at yeah um which is going to leave me like a you know quite a bit of it so i need to kind of weigh things up but you know at the end of the day uh, as you said uh, very cleverly uh, or, or not cleverly but just very truthfully don't get yourself into something that you can't afford to try and keep up with the joneses but just because you finance a car doesn't mean that you are keeping up with the joneses yeah so so the way my attitude has changed over the years and uh, yeah, so so f- fair play to you. If you can, if you can afford it and uh, you're you're sensible about it, then you know, tear away, keep it lit. Yeah. Happy days. Um, 
Now, I haven't uh, checked these, read these out, or we've discussed these at all. So we'll just we'll just flip and hit it as we go along. Aidan McGee says, something that's often discussed is the car everyone regrets buying or selling. But is there a car that you had the opportunity to buy and didn't and has since regretted the decision? Oh, yeah, I'm going to start with that one. Um, and this actually popped up in, in, again, one of the group chats I have with Big Pete and, and Rainus and that there. Uh, an RX-7 has popped up and I had Ooh. the chance. Yeah, you do the woof. I had the chance. I'm going to count back roughly. Uh, probably about 18, 17, 18 years ago, I had the chance of picking up either an RX-7 or uh, an MR2 Turbo. Mm-hmm. And I went for the MR2 and I really, don't get me wrong, at the time, and again, there's there's photographs in RMS, we'll have to dig it out. Uh, I love the MR2. It was something different about it. It was the T-bar, it was mm-hmm. the import, pop-up yep. headlights. It was painted neons. house of colour. Yeah, neons underneath, yep. <laughs> 18-inch chrome wheels, uh, painted house of colour, candy orange. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fantastic. I love the car, but I could have had an RX-7. yeah. And an RX seven, like what a what a problematic piece of art. Do you know what uh, I mean? Like it's just uh they're, they're, uh Hollybrook have got one coming in or in at the minute, uh that somebody messaged me about would be interested in in uh a trade in on a yellow car against it. And I don't think I can do it, but the RX seven for me was the car that, that got away. I I can't believe in hindsight I was as stupid as I was, but I love the MR2 at the time. But yeah, for me that, that was the one that I should have bought. Well, uh, in a moment of complete stupidity, I I had the right, I had the right opportunity and the right decision right in front of me very recently. And did I do anything about it? No. I should have bought a GR86. There only was only two or three hundred coming to the UK, and I could have just got out of the Yaris and into one of those with no difference in like monthly costs or else. And I could have had a brand new flipping Toyota rear wheel drive, all the rest, you know, and do, doing the same type of really enjoyable daily driver. Another lovely to- It's just, you know, uh, and I'll use the example of people say to me, well, you sold a GT4. Are you mad? Yeah, but I've had a GT4. It was awesome. And I'm yeah. going to have something else. And I could have done exactly the same thing. Move from the GRR. It's like, why would you sell it? Well, I love it, but, but uh, I don't have the money to keep all these cars, but I could have just stepped out of one into another. Into another. And, and I just, I just slept in. I missed the online sale because it was only on and sold out within, within a couple of hours. And it's like, yeah. I knew that that you know, and that, that car is just again like it's going to be even more uh, exclusive than the yeah. than, than the uh, than the Yaris, and it was exactly the same money, you know. So yes. so so that that, that was just uh, idiocy and on my part. And I was in Toyota about a week later getting the Yaris serviced, and I was like, "Can you do in?" He's like, "No, no, that's, <laughs> that's all direct with Toyota. Like your the boat has uh, set sail." Man. So, but look, what's for you won't go by you, and 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 I'm again, I'm a I'm a big believer. I say, you know, things like that all the time. If it's for you, it wouldn't pass you, hundred percent. And so, and then Boydie asks if you, if you were fortunate enough to have two hundred grand burning in a hole in your pocket, would you buy a car or outright or still um, finance it? I flip. I think of that sort of money, like you would still, fi- I think, finance I, it as yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, ALN asks, what's your earliest car memory? Well, I remember being very young and being uh, someone in the family had a, a Jag, like something Cook would have had, 
and I was afraid to go on it. But and also had a MG midget, and I remember how great memories have been ferried about an MG midget when I was no age, and at uh, the belt bottle burning the life out of my <laughs> flipping uh, belly because we <clears throat> they just had a lap belt and a wee and a wee metal belt buckle. But uh, that's sort of my sort of earliest memories of being and just uh, and just starting to maybe think about family cars and they were all like Sierras and Cavaliers and all that sort of stuff. 80s child, you know? Yeah, I I um I can remember like growing up, my dad always had nice cars again, you know, I can remember him getting a Vauxhall Center. I can remember he had an eight series, a few different things. But I think and 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 my earliest memory of cars, I would have been what is you in P3, you're seven or eight, are you? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So we had been we had moved up uh, out of Kilkeel and my folks were building a house and one of the builders uh, had a black twin cam mm-hmm. and I can remember him doing circles in that twin cam just at the end of the road at the junction and I just thought there was nothing like this car I was it was just like wow it was just amazing because they I was probably yeah probably that's 1984 85 so that was just kind of the height of the twin cams mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was that that was my that was my kind of first memory about cars. And it was just somebody doing circles in a swing cam. Unbelievable. Back then too. Yeah. Back then. And it was a new car. And his name is Gabriel. Can't remember much else about him, but his name was Gabriel. And he had this black twin cam and he was just giving it full send. And then there was another neighbor lived further up the road and he had a red XR3i convertible and the pair of them raced up and down the road. And it was just for me, it was just the stuff that boyhood dreams were made of. I remember being out in an RS Turbo, maybe early 90s, and being blown away by the boost. Yeah. Just uh, absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. Class. Uh, Cold apple pie with hot custard or warm apple pie with cold custard? Um, Fuck. That's that's an easy one, Gareth. I would have the warm apple pie and cold custard, please. Big custard fan. I think I'm actually the opposite. I would have cold apple pie and warm custard. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Favorite favorite biscuit. Boydie's actually had a uh, actually answered the question for us. He didn't actually realize the point of the thread was for us to tell us, but his answer is very good. A caramel digestive. I do like a toffee pop. Toffee pop's good. I think uh, I'm a sucker for those big fat German biscuits. I just love them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then oh, rigor, rigor's a real awkward question here. You've any budget but only one car to drive for the rest of your days. What do you choose? And uh, Choose anything, and uh, oh, flip. I don't, I don't know. That's that's just far, far too a wide range. That we'll, we'll have to come back to that one because that's a mon- that monster, one. monster question. I uh, think I'm going to come back to it, but I think for me, it would be something like a Range Rover SVR or an X5M. So I will, I would want something big, but still stupidly powerful. <laughs> I could drive something big and stupidly powerful. He has one of those. Uh, Big Jags with the five liter supercharged engine. It doesn't X, so. XJR five seven five. Yeah. So he 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 drives something. But I think for me, I'd want something with at least the same, at least five or six hundred horsepower. Uh, but just big and room and space around me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <clears throat> we'll uh, come back to it. Uh, that's something we'll think about. Uh, favorite piece of oh, here's another difficult question. See, we need to re- do more research for this for this thing. What's your favorite piece of automotive paraphernalia you own? 
Oh no, we're, we're the eyes are rolling here. Yeah. We're flipping, thinking if you could only see us, we're we're contorting our faces, thinking, well, uh, what what do I have that is um, like a Pirelli calendar, a Max Power calendar from about <laughs> fifteen years ago? <laughs> oh yeah, that's, like, uh, that's, like that's my favorite. <laughs> like you you see the bag of uh, Harry's garage uh, and the wall. There's all the like the Pirelli calendars with the post-it notes yeah. over the over the nips. So uh, race between uh, when's the race between uh, my Yaris and Suter Men's versus Fate? Uh, LOL. Um, if you could have one car back that you've previously owned, what would it be and why? Um, I had a lovely Integra Type R. Uh, really, uh, sort of the VTEC. Um, my old R33 Skyline uh, yeah. actually surfaced recently. A few pictures going about, and it's been sort of restored back to, uh, but don't, wouldn't want to have it back. It was it was kind of heavy, and the RB25 was expensive to keep. Mm-hmm. To keep. You know, I, I, there's, there's nothing. Like, don't get me wrong, I've had nice cars. I've had some lovely cars, but there's nothing that, now that they're gone, I can't don't really think about them anymore. If, if it was anything, it would probably have been that MR2 because, again, it was just something a wee bit different. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was just kind of, it was like bright orange, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. orange flip paint. It was just, it was a different car from a different time. Um, and again, I'm I'm reliving a lot of nostalgia because some of the Max Power cars are making a real comeback, and and I would love to have something from the Max Power days that we were that we grew up with. So if I was to have anything back, it would probably be something like that that was just silly and stupid. Look, it it it's on it's on the list, but we need to speak to the, some of the guys from Max Power. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Um, what are our thoughts on new cars being automatically limited? So I'm I, I've done a wee bit of reading about this separately, but facts are hazy because uh, that's just generally my limited recall. But uh, a lot of cars have the speed between GPS and sign recognition. They have all that stuff built in, but. Um, I'm not exactly sure on the enforcement, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a nag. It's gonna be on all the time. You can turn it off. It's gonna be like lane assist, and you can turn it off completely, or you can only turn it off at certain times. Or I'm not exactly sure what what way that's gonna be. But I tell you what, the uh, my Yaris has the the sign recognition. It's absolute dog shit. Mm. Gets it right a million times. I tell you where it's really bad is uh, if you're driving past a school and the school's not open or anything like that, but you know, there's all these 20 mile an hour signs. Yeah. So the arse goes, right, 20, do 20. And it's like, no, no, I can do 40. Yeah. Does it bang, does it? Uh, no, it, it well, I think you can set it to bang. I think you, in the settings, you can turn that stuff on. And in the settings, actually, you can turn it off completely. Um, my X5 is brilliant for that speed uh, thing. And, and I have to say, it's one thing I do find handy about the car because sometimes you're driving down a road and, you know, you might not know or you might not see speed signs and whilst we're all supposed to know the traffic code and if there's lights, you should know it's a 30 and we know the difference. But I do find that very handy. But have you seen, there's a video on YouTube and I'm going to have to see if I can find it again about Audi and what they've done with this um, uh, speed, speed sign. Right. Have you seen... Uh, no. As they're coming up to traffic lights, they can determine what speed you have to slow down to if you don't want to stop. So if you want to keep going through a green traffic light, mm-hmm. so it'll it calculates that you're 
280 yards from from the next traffic light so if you drop your speed to 22 mile an hour you'll not even have to stop you can keep driving straight the whole time and it's there's videos up showing that they get through these three or four different um what do i think about these kind of as long as they're not enforced you know we'll always find ways to to bypass it i think it's fucking downright dangerous if 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 you're limiting cars to only do a certain speed because everybody's going to be driving full tilt all the time uh which is going to really take away from i think your reactions when driving a car uh, i think it'd be really dangerous um at the same time when one of the times my x5 was in for something they give me the 840 or 850 out uh which was fantastic it had that radar cruise control yes and i had it like when i say an effortless drive from belfast over down to skillen mm-hmm. like literally when i set cruise control on I didn't have to touch accelerators or brakes the whole way over. It stopped me coming up to light. It let me know when, you know, when traffic lights were coming up. So there, there's some parts of it are definitely, um, as technology is evolving, I think it's, you know, it, it can only improve and, and make driving certainly safer. But Radar cruise is an interesting one because uh, of all the EVs I've tested, they all behave in different ways. Like some of them, you could be tracking a car up to a roundabout and it could be in a 60 and then the car disappears and suddenly oh there's a roundabout Let, let's let's <laughs> let's empty it <laughs> into the central reservation here uh, whereas i think was it the i4 m50 which maybe sort of it, it was like oh you're coming up the roundabout so we'll just ease off here mm-hmm. and i was like yeah that's that's easy like you want to have that stuff on when you're doing a commute and you know the boring uh, a to b type driving but you just want all that stuff out of the way when you want to drive yourself and that's the best of both worlds isn't it yeah it really is i think i think part of this whole autonomous driving is they're dumbing us down slowly but surely so that when when these mandatory speed limits and things like that will come in and and we all know i I would imagine andy in our lifetimes the the days of us driving up road well in the triple figures are gone i don't understand what you mean ross no. <laughs> kilometers, kilometers per hour. Kilometers, I Get up the old uh, 120. On yeah, the, 100, uh, 100, 120 kilometers an hour. On, on the uh, uh, M1 uh, autobahn down to Dublin <laughs> Airport or something. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, look, there's a lot more questions there. I think we'll pick those up with when um, Gary returns on his hauls because there's some good ones there about how do we get into RMS and all the rest. I think we'll, we'll get a yeah, bit of we'll, a yarn, we'll, yarn about we'll that. Ones. You know about that, but um, I think on that note, we will engage our flipping uh, automatic speed limiter here and uh, be driven into a wall at 20 mile an hour or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Uh, remember to like, subscribe, and do all the stuff we're supposed to tell you to do. Uh, but I actually think giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts and all that really, it really does help um, get the awareness of the podcast out, out there. To follow us, we're um, the forums everywhere at RMS Motoring, and of course on rmsmotoring.com. You can email any questions or any voice notes um, to pod, P-O-D, at rmsmotoring.com. They're good crack, so let's get some more of them. Um, and or even hit us up on the podcast section on the forum. Thanks for joining us, and remember, there's no warranty. This was sold to sing. <laughs> <laughs>